The transition from military to civilian society can be a challenging one for many of our nation's veterans, but a lot of innovative thinkers are working to make it easier. In a New Orleans neighborhood, Dylan Tett is building the Bastion Community of Resilience, a specially designed community where warrior families who need assistance can find the support they need alongside veterans and civilians. I felt compelled you know, to continue serving my comrades. Recorded live at the Bush Institute's Forum on Leadership, Dylan tells us about this five-acre community and how he dreams of growing the idea so he can serve more families. I'm Andrew Kaufman, and this is The Strategist, presented by the George W. Bush Institute. What happens when you cross the 43rd president, late-night sketch comedy, and compelling conversation? The Strategist, a podcast born from the word strategery, which was coined by SNL and embraced by the George W. Bush administration. We highlight the American spirit of leadership and compassion through thought-provoking conversations. And we're reminded that the most effective leaders are the ones who laugh. We're joined now by Dylan Tett, who served in the Army in the Iraq War and is now Executive Director and Founder of Bastion Community of Resilience. Tonight, you're going to receive the Bush Institute Military Service Citation for your remarkable work with Bastion. Dylan, thank you for joining us. You bet, Andrew. Great to be here. And we're also joined by Colonel Matt Amidon, the Director of the Military Service Initiative at the Bush Institute. Matt, thanks again for helping us thank out. Thank you, and, and honored, Dylan, to share in this experience with you as we get to recognize your efforts and the impact that you've had in the proud town of New Orleans. Oh, man. You're just so nice, so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> Is that where you live now, New Orleans? I do, yeah. We moved there. I, I literally separated from the Army and uh, scooped up Annie. Our son at the time, I think, uh, was only a few months old, and we moved to New Orleans three months before Katrina. So... In some ways, it was perfect timing because uh, I got to use all those great skills you learn in the infantry uh, in Katrina. Well, could you tell us a little bit about you and what and your transition from military service? Yeah, well, uh, that that teed it off. There right was there. right there <laughs> from from one incredible experience to another. Yeah, no, it was. Um, I remember standing on the causeway at midnight, looking over New Orleans. Uh, and seeing all of the stars in the sky, which is not something you can do normally. Uh, at the time, there was about six feet of water. Um, I, I think uh, this would have been like two weeks after the levees felled. And uh, it was surreal. Uh, I didn't think it could happen, you know, in America. Uh, I had just rotated off a battlefield and seen a lot of... Uh, new things. <laughs> and this was certainly something new that I couldn't even imagine. Uh, and, uh, and that started a whole journey, uh, for me. So I, uh, I was recruited by a medium sized contractor to build FEMA trailer parks, uh, in the ninth ward and in Gentilly and in uptown. And so, uh, I didn't know anything about construction, but I knew how to manage time, money, you know, uh, personnel. And, uh, and it was a great fit. So let, let me just ask, where were, were you and Annie living at the time? Were, were you at risk when, when the levees broke? We were. One, How did it impact you personally? Yeah, we were one block off St. Charles, which is a natural ridge. So all of our stuff was okay. Now, we're from Lake Charles. All our family is from Lake Charles. And people forget there was another Category 5 hurricane called Rita that hit Lake Charles. And so... Uh, at the time, we were actually living in Lafayette, and um, she was teaching 
all of the refugees from Sacred Heart in New Orleans at, uh, at Grand Coteau. And um, so we were re- living out of a suitcase. That are, that's the early beginnings of, of Bastion. Where, how, did, how did that experience translate into what you're doing now? Um, at the time, I was, uh, I was supposed to begin a, a, a master's degree. Um, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to bury my nose in the books, uh, when all of this was taking place. And so I got involved in the construction industry. One thing led to another, I felt compelled, you know, to continue serving my comrades. Um, I, because I was introduced to the construction industry, I got a job with helmets to hard hats, which was a DOD funded, still exists. It's a DOD funded program. Um, and in partnership at the time with monster.com. Uh, so I was recruiting transitioning veterans into the construction industry. And then I heard about this thing called traumatic brain injury and was very curious about it. I mean, we all know now it's the signature wound in the war on terror. Uh, I went to Walter Reed. I met a great doctor named David Williamson who really educated me uh, on traumatic brain injury. Uh, I met family members. I met spouses. I met mothers and fathers and warriors. And what they all described to me was a, a gap in the continuum of care. Um, so we can deliver the best state-of-the-art medical care. But then once you're out, there was virtually nothing in the community to keep these families together and moving forward. I found a blueprint. I was thinking big at the time. Uh, well, at the time, I was thinking, well, we'll, we'll, build, we'll build a group home. Uh, and then I stumbled on a blueprint on how to build it. <laughs> like a whole community. And I thought, let's go big, <laughs> go big or go home. Right? That's right. <laughs> and so we did it. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's an incredible story that you just shared in about two minutes, but the long arc of reality, how long did it take from your vision to turning the first key at Bastion and, and share with us, you had policy, legislative funding, real estate. I mean, the, the portfolio of challenges is endless, man. How, how did you do it? And, yeah. and it's just chipping away at the problem. Well, it took five years to finally break ground, um, to, yeah, to build. But, um, you know, when we partnered with our housing developer, uh, I had to meet three criteria for him in order, in order for him to, to lock in. Uh, the first one was, um, I needed, I needed more financial support. At the time, I think I had about $3,000 left in my bank account, and uh, I had one meeting scheduled with the Wounded Warrior Project, and I went to New York City, <laughs> and if I got, you know, if I didn't get what I requested, I was going to come home and find a new job, but uh, luckily, uh, the meeting went very well. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Richardson, who's the VP for we, we know Mental Health, very well. Yeah, he came to New Orleans and uh, tasted the orange, as he's very fond of saying. <laughs> and uh, two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars went a long way. It actually got us to groundbreaking. The other condition was we had to stack the deck legislatively in the state. Um, you know, in the low income housing tax credit program, million, hundreds of millions allocated every year. Uh, we needed more preference for veterans projects. And so that was another thing that we had to lobby for and, and, and we got it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that reveals something you and I have chatted about numerous times is the sustainability of financing. Now philanthropy can get you so far, but then you had the challenge of low income tax credits. And then you also wanted to combine in bash and those who, who could pay market rates, which can then generate the sustainability you're looking for. How hard was it to organize behind all those. Yeah. And that's the whole mixed income model. I think the jury for some is still out, but I can tell you it's working. Um, We have families who have, who waited 
five years with us in order to move in and volunteer and support the warriors and families. Um, I mean, so we have a retired Marine Corps couple, you know, served 23 years, uh, their sons and daughters have joined the military and, and have deployed. And it's, so it's just, it's just in the core of who they are. They want to help and continue to serve their country. And so, uh, we're very proud to have families like that. Um, and that's what makes that is, that is a sustainability feature in itself. Yeah. So now you've in the timeline, you've gotten, you've, you've broken ground. You're starting to build this dream that you have. Tell us about this dream. What is Bastion? Well, Bastion is a French word. <laughs> it's a linguistic. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we, right, we. Right. Uh, it, it fits in New Orleans. Uh, but it was a point of innovation in the construction of fortresses in medieval times. Uh, and we consider ourselves point of innovation in the continuum of care. Uh, but to the naked eye, it's five acres, uh, situated about 10 minutes from our new $2 billion VA hospital, uh, in New Orleans. We built, uh, 58 apartment homes. Um, it's got lots of green space. It's ringed by these gorgeous live oak trees. It has a wellness center where we do a lot of wellness programming. We have yoga three days a week. We're doing mind body skills groups. Uh, we host, uh, other nonprofits like Next Stop. Um, and John Bursler, uh, yeah, out of Houston. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so, uh, but what you, what you don't see, um, but what you can feel and what you can sense when you're there, there is, uh, powerful connections being made, um, every day. And we designed it from the ground up really to facilitate active engagement to incubate meaningful relationships that can endure for a lifetime. And if you think about a warrior with a severe traumatic brain injury, that's everything, you know, that's everything the VA cannot provide, but it's so crucial. I mean, it's just as important as rehab is having a place where you belong, you know, a place where you can find purpose uh, and new meaning, a new identity. You, you've talked before about the impacts, not only to the veterans and their families, but the impacts to the civilians who may live uh, alongside there and tell that story about that young lady who, who now has a new career and trajectory because of what you've created. You know, we never intended Bastion to be a recruiting office, <laughs> <laughs> but we invited a single mom, uh, from California originally, no military affiliation, no military connection whatsoever. Uh, but she was also someone uh, who was trying to find her way, uh, wanted to serve, uh, wanted, you know, wanted to give back. Um, and after four months of living at Bastion and being immersed in our, our culture, uh, and hanging out with really incredible warriors, uh, she decided that she was going to join the army and she completed boot camp and basic training, uh, and AIT. And now she's serving our country at Fort Bliss. I mean, that, that's breaking down the signal <laughs> divide though. It really is, right? Yeah, and that's really. in a literal sense. Yes, it, <laughs> it is. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. So what, how can we take what you've learned? in this neighborhood and, and make it bigger? How can we, what, what lessons have you learned and how can we extrapolate from that? Well, yeah, great question. Oh my God. Thank you for that. <laughs> Two things. Uh, first, we often think, uh, because housing costs money, uh, you know, Bastion today represents a $13 million, uh, investment in affordable housing, but the tools to build community, uh, are on the table for everyone right now. I mean, uh, if you think about 
just where you live in your own neighborhood, how can you increase the interaction uh, with your neighbor? Um, I mean, the, the, what makes New Orleans special after 2005 was that everyone knew that they were in it together. And so you did have a lot of people who were looking over your shoulder, making sure you were okay. You needed your neighbor. Then. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So there, there are little things that we can all do. You know, and Matt, you said it. I mean, we're we're facing this problem of real isolation in our country and and loneliness and disconnectedness. So, uh, you know, there are things that we can all do in our in our just our lifestyle that we can make changes and and become more neighborly. But, uh, you know, we we have the ambition to roll out more of these bastion communities. Um, you know, we're right now, uh, advancing our own policy initiative in this Congress to increase access to affordable housing for the most severely injured. That will lay the groundwork, uh, for our own, you know, national expansion. Uh, but what we're looking for are, uh, partners in this, uh, who have, uh, you know, deep pockets and can help us seed uh, more of these communities in strategic locations. And that, you know, that it's not hard, uh, you know, there's a whole industry of people building homes, uh, you know, but I think what kind of makes our approach a little bit different is we want to, we want to make an impact, uh, in communities that also need revitalization, uh, and, and, and regrowth. And so, uh, I mean, it, take a, that's a page right from our own development. We're at ground zero of the London Avenue canal breach. Our neighborhood took six feet of water. You can see the, the retention wall that fell feet away, right? That's right. right that's right. The street. And we have turned the corner in this neighborhood. Uh, I mean, there's more, uh, development happening now. Um, there's more life and th- that's, that's the other impact that, you know, building intentional communities like Bastion can do on a local level. And as you look at this expansion, are you looking to expand throughout the U.S. or are you looking to do more in New Orleans? What's what's your what's your dream? Dream big. I'm thinking global. Yeah. Um, Why not? Yeah. I mean, uh, first, uh, on a national level, um, you can look at the VA polytrauma uh, system of care. There are five major hubs. So that would be a good place to start. Um, but you know, I, I took two trips to Ukraine last year. Uh, I met a lot of great veterans from the war on Donbass and they, you know, I felt this connection with them and we share a lot of things in common. We were talking about it at the, at the seminar today. Um, just finding, uh, things that, you know, values that we all share, liberty being one of them. And, uh, they're only just creating now a ministry of veterans affairs. And so, uh, they, they could use, uh, they could use bastions, uh, over there. Absolutely. Matt, uh, you've been involved with Invictus, which is global. Is that, where do these align? So it, it's, that's a great point in that, and you know this so well, Dylan, is, is transition is the universal condition, right? It doesn't almost matter what country you come from. When you take off the cloth of your nation, there are transition issues. And for those who are facing that cognitive and emotional deficit of the invisible wounds, I think you're entirely right. The model that is created uh, through the interaction of Bastion is certainly applicable on the global stage. And hopefully we can just take small bites and, and, and learn from what you've and done. Learn from what you've done. But uh, it's, it's amazing, and I know how proud you are of being uh, a son of New Orleans now. Um, and it, every time I go there and visit you, uh, I, I certainly, I think most people do, fall more and more in love with the city every time they visit. 
So Matt, in a few hours, you're going to award Dylan the military service citation for the Bush Institute. Without giving away too much of what you're going to say there, what, how, how, did, how did Bastion come up and how did we pick them for this award? It really comes down again, uh, guys, to that issue of transition. Uh, we know it's an event. You have to take the uniform off someday, right? But where does transition really occur? And, and I'm a believer, and I think we agree, that, that transition happens in the communities and homes that you return to. And it's there where that opportunity for impact can happen. And so we always have this um, great desire on behalf of President and Mrs. Bush to find kind of the unsung heroes of this of this country who are doing the deep and hard work, the impactful work in our communities around the country and in visiting Bastion a couple times. We just saw that this is, the, I think, one of the great exemplars where veteran leadership in our communities uh, benefits so many. And we were just honored to share the story and, and, like you, hope that at least those who have the capacity to do so will we'll try to uh, replicate that model where it's needed. And so I couldn't be more honored to be part of this day. Well, I can say uh, it's an honor for me to be part, uh, not only of the activities happening today, but this uh, this Warrior Wellness Alliance that you guys are uh, creating. Um, I mean, it, to stand shoulder to shoulder with some of these other amazing organizations that are doing great work, uh, it makes you feel uh, like we can we can do this. Like we are moving the needle now, um, and so that you know no one has to slip through the cracks anymore. Dylan, your, your work's incredible. Where can we go to learn more about Bastion? Yeah, joinbastion.org. And we're on Facebook, Twitter. Well, great. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you receive this award tonight. And thanks again for spending some time with us today and for all the work you've done. No, you thanks bet. for being the leader that you are, man. Thanks, brother. means a lot. Learn how the Bush Institute is ensuring that post-9-11 veterans and their families make successful transitions to civilian life at bushcenter.org slash vet transition. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to help us spread the word about The Strategist, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening apps. If you're tuning in on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art. You'll find episode notes with helpful information and details you may have missed. The Strategist was produced by Ioana Pappas at the George W. Bush Institute in Dallas, Texas. Thank you for listening.